We're longing for three things this morning. We are longing for intimacy. We're longing for communion with God and others. And we're longing for purpose. I think each person here, whether you identified or not, you are longing for intimacy. You are longing for communion. And you are longing for purpose. Loneliness is a complex and usually unpleasant emotion, emotional response to isolation. You can be around a lot of people and be terribly lonely. So it is a complex and unpleasant emotional response to isolation. And we see that in lives of people often. We see it on TV dramas. We see it on interventions that when we become lonely, it is a a fruit of the root of something else, and that's really where we begin to isolate ourselves. And it becomes more and more unpleasant, and it cannot be contained by an individual. I think that's part of the problem. I think we think that we can contain our loneliness and isolation. I think that I thought that I could contain it. I thought that I could get by, and I could deal with it, and I was that Christian who is strong enough to deal with uh, my stuff alone, and then I found out that I wasn't. The CEO from Cigna wrote, half of Americans view themselves as lonely. This is a life insurance company or a health insurance company. Matter of fact, I'm going to read what they took. They took a nationwide survey of 20,000 adults and found that 54% of respondents say they feel like no one actually knows them well. Additionally, 56% of people said that people they surrounded themselves around are not necessarily with them. And approximately 40% said they lack companionship. Their relationships aren't meaningful and that they feel isolated from others. This is a national insurance company that's determined that. The former Surgeon General of the United States said loneliness and weak social connections are associated with a reduction of lifespan similar to that um, caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day and even greater than that associated with obesity. This is how impactful loneliness is. In 2018, February 2018, England, Great Britain, appointed a minister of loneliness. A minister of loneliness. The world has caught up to what God already ordained that it is not good for man to be alone. And I'm not talking a marriage comment here, and I'm going I'm to unpack that later. But the world is catching up to it. Even that, not only that, but organizations are on the decline. Uh, all the f- social organizations, church-type meetings, not all churches, churches and on the decline, certain ones are, but people are staying away, staying more isolated, getting and fed, fed by a TV preacher at best, and at worst just are just taking their Bible and winging it. I'm going to turn to First, Opin- First Opinion chapter 3, verse 1, and just figure out what it is I want to be told today so I can be okay with it. But our longing started in the garden. Look what Dalai Lama said. Too much self-centered attitude 
brings isolation. Result, loneliness, fear, and anger. The extreme self-centered attitude is the source of suffering. Now, we know that the Bible teaches that we're called to suffer. This is not how we are called to suffer. This is self-induced. But our longing started in the garden, so we're going to talk about intimacy briefly. You know, I find it fascinating that uh, those, and there's people in this church who have been adopted, I've never met an adopted person that did not want to know where they came from. They did not want to know their history. They did not want to be intimate with the details of where they were. I've got on and I've looked back hundreds of years in my family and you trace that back and there's only so much record that you can get. But in the scripture, in Genesis, we can go all the way back to the beginning of the world and find out where our roots come from. And it comes before the beginning of creation when the Trinity talked together and said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God created man and woman, and he created and he said that it was good. But, um, and so in Genesis 28, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. It's fine it fascinating that everything was good created heavens and the earth, and it was good. It was morning and evening, and it was good. Light came, and it was good. Good, good, good. But then he created Adam. It was just like perfect, and he said, it is not good. It struck me that that was before the fall. That was before Adam went with Eve and took of the tree that before sin entered the world, being alone was not what? Good. That means it is bad to be alone. So God looked at Adam as Adam, I was watching, uh, Matt Chandler did a thing on, on this and he was just sort of making fun of Adam. Adam sitting there is like, yeah, you look like a horse. Yeah, that's a horse, but you're not for me. You know, move on. Now, uh, you know, a, a dog comes up, an Irish setter comes up. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to name you Irish setter. You're good, but you're not for me. And he kept going, he kept going, not for me, not for me, not for me. And there was just this part of him, Adam, that was alone, that could not identify with someone else. Psychology actually uh, is catching up with this idea um, that is called mirroring. It means that you have to be face-to-face -face with another person and walk through with things to understand who you are. Uh, we heard this, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the Jesus in you is better, is bigger than the Jesus in me. That doesn't mean it's Jesus is smaller, but I understand more of Jesus by being in relationship with other people than I do with just holding it in and being isolated. Remember, isolation leads to fear and anger, and it cannot be contained. So God said he needs to make him a helper fit for him. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. 
For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Do you know you can be in a room full of people and be alone? Have you felt it before? You go to rise up, and I think why people are attracted to rise up, and I'm not downplaying rise up at all. It's a good place, good coffee. But you go there, and it's upbeat, and people are talking, and it feel, everyone's friendly, right? But then, you know, you leave. It's a feel good for a second, and you leave, unless that relationship continues, unless you're building relationship with other people, it's not good. So the, in Ecclesiastes, a lot of people use this as a marriage verse, two are better than one, but not just do with marriage. It happens with men and men, men being in relationship together as friends, as a discipling partners, and, and in an accountability relationship. So we have this need for intimacy. Even Adam, even in the verbiage, just said that Adam knew Eve. They had intercourse together. They knew each other. Knowing and being known is important in Scripture. So we have a desire for intimacy, and we second, we have a, a desire for communion. And I want to break this down into two things, communion with God and communion with others. Communion with God and with others. Very simply, 1 John 1, 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. True communion with each other, genuine, deep, God-created communion doesn't happen apart from a relationship with the Father. The apostles knew that. They, they had that relationship. We're called to have that relationship as well, that our family we have a physical family, but we also have a spiritual family. Is that true? Right? And the bad news maybe for some of you that your spiritual family will be with you for eternity. It's scary, isn't it, Larry? You're, you and me together forever, brother. So we're called to live in uh, a communion together, doing life together that is real, that's not surfacy, that's not high, how's it going, and move on, that doesn't work through problems. We're called to be in a communal relationship with God the Father that's so intimate that we are making and being disciples who are reconciled to God and to one another on a continual basis. Now, we know theologically we're reconciled to God once and for, for all through Jesus Christ, but our intimacy and communion with the Father gets diminished as sin enters. And so as things come in, it breaks up our communion. That's why every Sunday we come to communion. We don't do it just to do it and to break bread and just to do whatever. We do it because the scripture is clear in 1 Corinthians that we are called to come to this table soberly and seriously and ask ourselves, God, is there anyone I need to be reconciled with? First off, it's God. Joseph said, I, I, you know, sorry, I've sinned against God and others. You know, I want to, I think it was Nehemiah, but it, you, we want to come to the table to reconcile weekly and ultimately to reconcile 
daily and ultimately to constantly be reconciled. But the world doesn't teach us that kind of communion. Matter of fact, man is quick, just like Adam and Eve were in the, in the, uh, in the garden. The, t- the tree was there, and it's like, hmm, the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil. I can't have that. I want it. And so what happens? We do what we think is best for us. Adam and Eve did what they thought was best. You and I, if we're honest, we have multiple times done what we thought was best for us apart from what God said, and we've done and gone and taken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and ate till we're sick, and that separation, that communion with God, just it just ekes, and we get into the shadows of isolation, and then you know God comes looking for us in the garden, and we're, we're hidden, and we're naked, and we realize that it's just not a good thing. But because we do things our way, we get into the trap where communion with others goes down. Communion with God goes down first, actually. Intimacy is diminished, and things get worse from there. In James 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be what? Healed. Healed. Confession of sins is not like we have two old, well, yeah, there's a confessional back there and a confessional that used to be here. Old Catholic Church was here. You're not going to come in and have me forgive anything. God's already done that if you're a Christian, right? But there are people in my life that I confess my sins to, not so that they can absolve my sinfulness, but because they can see into me that intimacy, that first point of intimacy, and we can begin to commune together because the relationship is trusted. So James says, confess your sins to one another. It doesn't mean you go on Facebook Hey, everyone, I've got a 1,000 friends on Facebook. I want to be altar healed, so I'm just going to share all my sins. Heck no. Matter of fact, you might want to delete your account if that's what you want to do. Anyway, I won't go there. Um, But being known, intimacy into me, you see, is a part of healing for us as humans. Do you believe that? We come from a generation of fathers and forefathers that were bootstrap Americans. We can do it on our own. We are tough and we're strong. And I have yet to meet someone who is that. When it comes down to it and I get to know people, I have never met anyone that can do it on their own. And I've been through a plethora of people looking. Special operations people, maybe they're the ones, nope. Family's falling all apart. A lot of tugaces, you know, integrity issues, all this stuff. Nope. People, uh, pastors who I used to know of who've fallen and who just gotten lives jacked up. Whenever we get isolated, stuff becomes to creep in. We get into the darkness and the world gets darker and darker. And fellowship with God, communion with God gets further and further removed. Our intimacy is further and further removed. We know all the words to say. We've been well taught on what to say. Yeah, glory to God. I want to give God glory for everything. 
but inside we're dying. This is the problem that results from lack of fellowship and communion. Matter of fact, one other way to say it, I, I brought up the knowing Adam knew his wife. This happens in pornography. Pornography has manipulated the mind of males and females to believe that if they uh, counterfeit something and replace something, that it's going to be better for them, that it's going to create something better. It's going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's going to something that God said is bad and replacing it with replacing what God said is good and taking of the bad. And when we get to those replacements, it also happens, it's a pornography of relationships too. We use people for what they can give us. We find friends that meet our needs, whatever that we, we're selective on that. But we don't really want someone to know. I'm not saying this is everyone, by the way. When I say we, I'm just saying generally. We don't want people to know who we are because the truth is we are sinful people and hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things and who can know it. This is Pastor Eric for you today. I'm not going to unpack everything to you. I have people I do that with. But I do unpack it because if you pack it, that bag full of too much crap, that bag explodes over everyone else. Nice word picture there. And our relationships tend to be surfacely, surfacely, surfacy and casual. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing great, brother. How are you doing? Well, you know, I, uh, I'm doing good. Cheating on our taxes, cheating on our wives or spouses, whether it's computer or this, that, and the other, um, not giving God glory for stuff, totally getting away from fellowship as he's called, and we say we're doing good. Truth is, we're dying inside. Communion is seeing ourselves with one another. We go to God for that. He is the, the image. He, we are created in his image. But we see him and we see each other and we have communion, communion with one another. We have to have intimacy and we have to have communion. This third part is purpose. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do we have, church, a ministry of reconciliation? We're called to reconcile. There is no, they don't have a footnote in this part of scripture. They don't say, well, you're not really called to be reconciled if you don't like this person. There's a lot of people I don't like. For a first instance, sometimes long instances, but... But God gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So all is from God because Jesus reconciled the world to himself by dying on the cross. We walked through that through the book of Mark. He went on the tree. He took our curse on the tree. He took our sin. We were justified just as if I'd never sinned. 
our sins were placed on him, his righteousness were placed on us, and we have a ministry now because he has shown us what ministry is. You and I are called to reconcile. And when we don't reconcile, we step out of the light, out of the light, out of the light. We get darker, darker, darker. Fear, anger, hostility creep in, and we wonder what's wrong with everyone else. But James says, confess your sins to one another. You go to God who is a forgiving God. You come to the table. He forgives. He knows we are but dust, but he loves us. He wants us just to come to him, not perfunctory prayers, not, well, Lord, I'm sorry I did this, amen. No, but he wants us to take serious what it means to come to the table that represents his son's broken body and shed blood so that we can rejoice in what he did and we can proclaim that I am a part, I am a minister of reconciliation. That is, in Christ's God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I think God was crazy here. He trusted us. I'm being sarcastic. You can just ease up a little bit. But truly, he entrusted you and me with the ministry of reconciliation. If we believe that God created the earth and he made us in our image and he brought us from darkness to light and that we are saved, we are sons and daughters of the most high God, shouldn't we be excited about that? Man, I'm called to be a minister of reconciliation. I'm called to when I wake up in the morning, that if there is someone I'm not reconciled with, that I go to them, I reach out, I do everything as much as I am able to be reconciled because I want to have fellowship. Ultimately, I want to be obedient. And yet, I think sometimes as Christians, our faith will waver and we get discouraged because people have hurt us. My dad, right here in the corner, when I first got into ministry, I'll never forget this. This is one of those things, Ed, you, I'll keep saying it. He looked at me and he said, son, it, aren't, it isn't people outside the church that's going to hurt you. It's people inside the church. I had no idea what he meant. I do now. But yet... That does not give me leverage to go against what God has called you and I to be. Our mission as a church is to make disciples who are reconciled to God and one another. That pretty much means if you do not support reconciliation of the church, of people in your family who are Christians, of people outside the church who are Christians, if that is not who you are, then you probably should find somewhere else because we have no choice but to preach what the Word says about this. And in the same way, we are called like Christ to not count their trespasses against us, against and 
we are to have the message of reconciliation. So what Jesus did for us, we're called to do for one another. True? Head knowledge, right? We can all agree on this. If you're a Christian, I think you can all agree on the head right now. Yep, Eric, I'm with you. Check. Yep, need intimacy. Yep, check. Yeah, now need communion. I know what that is. Yeah, I commune with God every morning when I say hallelujah or praise God. I'm communing with God. Check. But when it gets down to our heart, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? We sang, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And the Holy Spirit is an agent of reconciliation. And if he is calling you to make right something that's wrong, I'm not saying there are things that you can't do physically or, I I get it. There are things, I'm not calling you to do something crazy. Talk to some other Christian who you respect and say, I feel like the Holy Spirit has said this and walk with it. But if it doesn't go to our hearts, then we can truly never have action with it. So it says in Acts 2.42, right, that we're called to teaching, the apostles' teaching. Here it is. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. Paul's an apostle, true? Thank you. There's one. Got it, check. Holy Spirit says, yeah, Eric, but what about this person or this person or this person? Whoa, can't do that. Now let me be serious here for a second. I know anyone who's got any age to him at all here, you have been hurt. I want to acknowledge that. I don't want to diminish it. I don't want to say the hurt isn't real. I don't want to say the hurt didn't drag you through the mud and through the emptiness of life. I know that it can, and I know that it is painful. I don't want to diminish it, but I want to say that there is an answer. That fellowship with communion with God comes with being agents of reconciliation. It comes with true fellowship that has intimacy into me, you see. That means there's people that I can share my life with, the ugly nuggets of my life. Because I cannot do it alone. First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I, I want to just be, some people get saved and they just claim this, that everything's changed completely. And I want to tell you it's a process. Your life is changing. Your, God is changing you. You're being more and more sanctified. God is working his process out through you. It's not like you get saved and everything's golden. You've got all the answers and figured out and peace comes and joy's in the morning. No, it will be dark and it will be ugly and it will be work. But because Christ gave us new life, we're called to walk in it. We're called to take up our cross and to follow him.
So how, today I've identified a problem here. In our world, there is a problem of loneliness that's recognized by nations. There is a problem of loneliness within the church that's recognized by relationships. And yet, God calls us to do life together. So what do you do with that? If it goes from your head to your heart, you have to walk it out with your hands and feet, head, heart, hands. I propose for you a dumb equation. I just came up with it. I don't know that it makes any sense. Intimacy plus communion equals purpose. You will not find purpose, kingdom purpose, until you have communed with God and you have communed with others and you've been intimate and let them know who you are. You will not know your true purpose. And I believe the fact that you're here, that most of you, if not all of you, want to know your purpose. Let's be biblical about it. Let's do our relationships well. Let's be intimate with the right people. Let's have communion with others and with God. That's real. That's not cavalier. That's not prayers. Now I lay me down to sleep. I'm not for kids. That's fine. For adults, grow up. It's a joke. Maybe some of y'all took that hard. But we're called to do life together. And many of you have been doing life together, and I commend you for it, and I just want to encourage you in it. Let's all grow together in this coming season that our intimacy and our communion with God and others will be so real that our purpose, our mission in life, our vision and mission will be worked out for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, I, I just acknowledge here before my friends and family here that I know that there are people, and I've had to look at my own heart, don't get me wrong, that need to act on this. You cannot have a group of people this size in a room and not have issues. Lord, will we trust you with the, the details and God give us strength to do the work you have called us to do. Holy Spirit, would you help us to do this? I pray that those who come here during communion would not take of it cavalierly, would maybe even just step aside and go, I'm gonna wait until I reconcile because I can't do it anymore. I can't deal with the anger. I can't deal with the frustration. I can't deal with the bitterness. I can't deal with the anxiety. I can't deal with the fear anymore. God, would you, I wanna be reconciled with you and others. So I'm gonna take you at your word. Would you stand with me, please? Lord, we don't want to come to communion lightly. 
But God, we do want to come joyfully. So we say, God, thank you for your work, your atoning work. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that we've been set free. We are prisoners no longer. Someone should get baptized in here and say, amen. You're not a prisoner anymore. Thank you, brother. Jesus, we love you. And as we come to your table, we pray that our fellowship would increase. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come.